Are you interested in learning more about how EOS can help you run a better business, become a better leader, and live a better life? Stay tuned for all the ways you can jumpstart your journey on EOS. When we started the EOS process, we developed our core values and we went back and looked at who are like our, our best employees and what makes them our best employees. And from that, we developed six core values. And those core values have really sort of laid the groundwork also for our culture because it's it was taken from our staff. It wasn't like imposed on them. And so it was a good fit. Now, certainly there was people in our organization that, that did not hold to our core values and they, they eventually moved on on their own or we, we exited them. That's Bill Van Vliet, president and integrator for Book Depot, an online wholesale book distributor that has experienced explosive hard copy book sales in an audiobook world. With over 25 years at the company, Bill's seen it all and crashed through just about every type of ceiling in entrepreneurism. I come from a computer science background, but I always really wanted to get more involved in a business where we could marry technology to any kind of business and just elevate it and, and have it be the best in class. And that's where I came in and I developed the very first e-commerce website. So we're, we are both wholesale, but we are also 50% direct to consumer through our book outlet brand. We do a little bit through some marketplaces as well, too, but really our focus is on our wholesale brand, Book Depot, and our direct-to-consumer brand, Book Outlet. So, Bill, you have been with this company for 25 right. years. I, I can imagine that you have seen a ton of different ceilings. You've broken through those ceilings. You've seen a ton of change. Give me just kind of a little bit of a history of major milestones in, your, in the growth and trajectory of this business. I came on board in 1997 and we launched our first direct-to-consumer website. And needless to say, the sales just didn't meet expectations. So we went out there and we say, listen, we don't have the expertise. Let's go get the expertise. Hired on a lady by the name of Jacqueline Easton, a revenue specialist out of California. And we said to her, we want to make $100,000 in sales through a year through our direct-to-consumer channel. And she said, no problem. And in, in a couple months, we hit that $100,000 milestone. <laughs> a couple months. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just following a, a proven process that she had put together. She came and evaluated and said, this is what you need to do. So yeah, then we continue to evolve. We developed our own wholesale website. We were we would go to trade shows for our industry and we would be known as the computer guys because we actually set up in the late nine, 1990s an internet cafe for, for customers. Everyone else was taking orders by paper. We were taking live orders like in real time and telling them how much inventory. We had 99% fill rate with our competition had 50, 60% fill rate because it was all paper-based inventory. As we embarked on embracing automation, it, it really gave us a lead over our competition. We just continue to hire on great people, put, it to, put together great processes. We invest heavily in automation. And for us, automation is always about just increasing capacity and give us a competitive edge. Our first thing was a number of years ago where we put conveyor systems in and automated our picking processes. And then we went to an automated machine that would sort the incoming books because when the books arrive from, from the publishers, they're in, they're in Gaylords on pallets and they're all mixed, nicely stacked, but we got to sort them down right down to the title. So this machine was a game changer for us. It took us from from doing maybe 100,000 units a week 
to doing four, five, six hundred thousand units a week. And all we did was we hired more people on because we got more sales and we needed more staff. We need marketing folks. We needed salespeople. We needed administration support. And we grew from when I started with the company from about 30 people to today we're actually over 450 people working out of our one facility up here in Canada. This is We Run on EOS, and I'm your host, Pam Kosanke. In this show, we look at the game-changing moments in business through the eyes of the entrepreneurs and the EOS implementers who have lived them. On today's episode, we're stepping into the IT guy turned integrator shoes to explore how embracing change and people and culture development makes all the difference when it comes to getting unstuck. So back in like 2019, we sort of plateaued and we were doing okay. Sales were good. We had more and more market share, but even our profit just, it it wasn't where we had hoped. We had some disappointing years. And my business partner, Wilf Wickrink, was a member of tech, which you guys know as Vistage in the US. And he got introduced by a speaker to EOS. So he came back and he gave me a copy of Traction. And I took it home one weekend and I put it on the table. My wife picked it up. She's a voracious reader. And she read it in about three or four hours. <laughs> your, your wife read it before you. Yeah, she you. did. This is great. And she, she okay. read it and she <laughs> said to me, she says, Bill, you got to read this book. It's a game changer. It's going to change your business. You got to do it. So I read the book then over the weekend and spoke to Wilf and we made a decision then to, to move forward with EOS. We hired on a professional implementer, Jim Wardlaw, who's been amazing for us. And we started our journey in early 2020 with Jim. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. So right, right before COVID, you guys are starting uh, EOS. And take me through some of the, the kind of big aha moments as you're going through EOS implementation, because it sounds like there was quite a bit of change. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, after reading the book, I realized, you know, there's different components to, to the EOS uh, process. And it, what made me a little bit nervous was when we got to the accountability chart. Why did it make you nervous? I didn't know where I was going to fit in, but I kind of knew where I might be put. <laughs> So it was change, right? And we sometimes are resistant to change. So everyone agreed on our senior leadership team that my business partner, Wilf, was a natural visionary. That's just what he loved doing. But, but Wilf and I kind of split the departments between the two of us. He did finance and sales and uh, HR, and I did IT and ops. And when it came to the question about who's going to be the integrator, some people said, well, maybe Bill should be it or maybe this other guy should be it. And there was some discussion there. And I'm like, I said, Jim, hey, maybe I should step out of the room and let you guys duke it out and tell me the results. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're staying here. You just sit down. You're going to hear it all. And so the team put faith in me and said, listen, you, you only have experience in about half the departments, but we trust that you're going to be the right person to do this. So that was a huge moment for me because it meant that I had to take on all the direct reports from all, I've got eight reports today and I had to learn a lot of stuff and I had to embrace EOS and I really had to be a champion of EOS as well too. So I, I really had to get up to speed on some things, but it, it, it all worked out. We have a very supportive senior leadership team, but 
talk about change, the senior leadership team that we had then, I mean, it was about four years ago, actually, is very different from the senior leadership team we have today. We had some people that uh, didn't like accountability, didn't like, they didn't like, the, <laughs> they didn't like the cadence of every 90 days. They didn't like solving issues and surfacing issues because, well, maybe it, it didn't look so great on them. So we had some people that left because they didn't like EOS. And you know what? That's okay because they weren't a cultural fit for us. And they moved on to other companies and, you know, I, I hope they're doing well. But we developed our core values and that then allowed us to go back out into the workforce and look for people that, that really aligned with our core values because we, we look for certainly experience and technical capabilities and education and all that kind of stuff. But one of the last components of our hiring process is you meet with Wilf. And Wilf is the culture guy that way. And he will sit down with you and he's going to talk about our core values. And he's going to see if we believe there's good alignment with our core values. Wow. So, Bill, so three out of how many leadership team members left and, and over what course of time? So I would say after we built out our accountability chart, there was probably... Two people that sort of got demoted in some respects that it, that it wasn't the right seat for them. They were more facilities management or procurement and things like that. And one person then probably within six months left, left as well too. He did not like especially accountability. So from the original team, we had probably three people, myself, Wilf, and our sales manager. And then we went out to market and as we grew, because once we implemented EOS, and I would say the other sort of aha moment was probably about six, six to 10 months into the process with our facilitator, we really started to understand EOS and really started becoming focused on having a plan and what are the most important things you got to get done in the next 90 days. And it, it, things just started coming nicely together. We started functioning more as a team. We had great team building exercises. The trust level went up. And that just allowed us then to, as we grew, I mean, our sales doubled basically in the last three years. We then brought on more people. Since running on EOS, Bill, you're saying your sales have doubled. Yeah, and our, and our profit level has probably tripled. So hitting sales numbers is certainly mission critical, but breaking old corporate habits when it comes to typical human office interactions proved to be harder. For Bill, EOS ended up bridging classic gaps between owners and leaders, shining a light on fear-based miscommunication and, well, good old-fashioned politicking. So definitely prior to EOS, there would have been sort of what we would call these meetings after the meetings. So you may have come together ah. and you had made a decision. People wouldn't speak up and say, I disagree with that because that, hey, the owners are sitting at the table and maybe they're concerned about their job or their raise or whatever it is. So they want to toe the party line. They want to appear to be friendly and engaging and supportive of the owners. And I, I never wanted that. And my partner never wanted that either. We want people to be open and transparent. Uh, we're not vindictive people. We want to grow. We, we make mistakes too. And we grow from our mistakes. So that, that prior to where we are today, there would be meetings after the meetings and discussions would, would take place without the owners and knowledge in many cases about what they didn't like about decisions. So politicking, yeah. a bunch of politics. Yeah, yeah. You know, conversation yeah. around the water cooler, that kind of stuff happening. So we really, really discourage meetings after the meetings. We're, we really want people 
to have open, honest conversations. As a matter of fact, yesterday at uh, at our L10, we got a whole bunch of tens and nines out of the meeting, and, and someone says, "You know what I loved about this meeting? We had some great conflict. We got to the issue. We <laughs> solved it. But we solved it because people spoke up with different passion. They were passionate about the topic, and they spoke to it. And in the end, we had an, we had great agreement, and there wasn't any of these." Meetings after the meetings. Bill, do you feel like you were somebody who embraced conflict before this process or have you learned to kind of love it? I've learned to understand it better. I wasn't seeking conflict before and I'm not seeking conflict. I'm seeking people to be passionate about what they believe in and voice that. And sometimes you got to do it a couple of weeks in a row until everybody hears it and then thinks about it more seriously and, and then sees it from your from your angle and then applies it to the issue at hand. Seven times to hear it for the first time, I guess, even even as it relates to healthy conflict and some of the same challenges. So really cool. Tell me a little bit about, Bill, you had said one of the hardest things for you to do is let go of the vine. What helped you get to a place where you felt like you could start to actually make that part of your DNA and you could see the benefit of doing that? I share a lot of EOS with my wife because she just, she loves EOS. She's not involved in the company, but she knows all about it. Well, she read the book she read first. The book so. and she's, she's <laughs> she, was, a believer. she was invested in EOS before you. Yeah, were. she's she's drunk the Kool Aid for sure, and um, she's the first one that holds me accountable to that because she understands that I can hang on to these things, and she'll she'll ask me sometimes when I'm talking about what happened during the day, and she'll listen carefully, and she'll say, you know, what? you got to let them deal with these. You got these issues. You got to let them own that position. You got to get out of the weeds, Bill. You've got other things to spend your time on. They're more impactful. So it probably starts there and has started there. And then, as I mentioned, at a quarterly, we had that that one thing and the staff identified, Bill, let go of the vine. Trust us. Hold us accountable. We're going to get the results that you're looking for. And the last thing is I have quarterly coaching sessions with all my staff. And I always ask some, some interesting questions, I think, anyways. So I say, what can I do better for you? This is the other question I ask them. What should you be telling me? that you don't want to tell me. And that usually gets them to pause for a second. And they go like, you really want to hear? And I'm like, yes, I really want to hear. All right. And then they lay it out on the line. And I, I listen, I take notes, I give them feedback on it. And then next time, next three months, I'll say, how am I doing on that? You trusted me with this? Am I living up to it? Am I supporting you? Have I changed in a positive way that has impacted you and your ability to get your job done? So you are demonstrating accountability in the most, gosh, like masterful way. You're listening and coming back and saying, how am I doing? It, it, it's clear that if other people were running from accountability, you are clearly running towards accountability. And it's probably one of the reasons why you're thriving in the system by simply asking those questions. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. And I encourage them to do the same thing with their staff as well, too. I mean, it's the only way we're going to learn and become better people become a better fit for our staff and encourage them to to be vulnerable and bring ideas forward. Awesome. Bill, when you've created that kind of uh, opening and you're sitting there in a vulnerable position, right? So the, some of this feedback could be directed at you. It could be some elephant in the room or sacred cow, if you will. What is one of the most uncomfortable points of feedback that you've gotten and how did you deal with that? <sighs> It probably was in a conversation around HR, people, and culture, because 
listen, I come from a technical background. I'm a get things done. And, and if there's one area that I've really, ha- really grown is understanding the importance of culture and, and dealing with people and that people are our most important asset. And that is something that we have to cherish and, and help them grow as well, too. So, yeah, when I asked that question, what should you be telling me that you don't want to tell me? And, and this person told me, says, Bill, I don't think you're giving me the same level of time and importance and attention as you do the other departments. And I'm ready to leave. And I'm like, whoa, that was a wake up moment for me. And I went back and reflected on it and I had a follow-up conversation and I'm like, you're right. I, 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 I'm sorry to say that you are right and that, that's got to change and please forgive me and I'll do better and hold me accountable, please. Tell me every, th- every time you know, that we meet on, on this sort of quarterly coaching session, how am I doing? Am I supporting you? Wow. Masterful leadership. And, and how is that relationship today? It is rock solid. It, it started off, it was a difficult relationship when we started. And I, I just met with this person just yesterday, as a matter of fact, lunch. And and this person has told me, like, I'm here forever, Bill. Like, I love this company. I, I love working alongside you. Like, I never want to leave. From I'm ready to leave yeah. to I am here forever. Yeah. Wow. How does that make you feel? I, I mean, I, I feel wonderful really for, for this person more than myself because I wasn't doing what I need to do. I was neglecting this department and this individual. And I'm just so happy because I see the transformation in this person as well, too, that they love their work and they just keep coming forward with great ideas and initiatives and getting things across the line. And I just more than ever appreciate how important culture and human resources is to our organization. I didn't a few years ago. I was short-sighted then. Experiencing these truly profound and personal transformations in your people and in your business reinforces the benefits of building an open, honest, and vulnerable culture. Bill's story highlights how you can address complex human issues in objective ways, prioritizing healthy dynamics as part of your business strategy. I I love many components about EOS, but one thing I do love is the L10s. And the issue section, we solve issues. I'm in tech now as well, too. And I see half our, you know, half, half our members there, they, they don't solve issues. They don't deal with issues, whether it's human issues or sales or product, whatever it is. These things get brushed under the carpet. And we surface issues, the good, the bad, the ugly, every week, and we solve them one way or the other. We don't always get them right the first time, but we eventually get them right. And... When I just saw that cadence of one after the other issue being solved and knocked off and just we kept moving forward at, at a speed and we're not working harder, we're just working smarter. We've got a, a proven process that we really, really stick to. We don't somewhat follow EOS. We're pretty rigid in, in the program and, and I find that's, that's key to success. And you're an award-winning company. I just want to take a moment to, to pick your brain here. What does it take to win a most admired culture award and how has the culture evolved to do that? Is that something that has been something that has always been there or has this process for you really crystallized culture in a new way for you that maybe helped drive to that award? Yeah. When we started the EOS process, we developed our core values and we went back and looked at who are like our our best employees and what makes them our best employees. And from that, we developed six core values. And 
those core values have really sort of laid the groundwork also for our culture because it's it was taken from our staff. It wasn't like imposed on them. And so it was a good fit. Now, certainly there was people in our organization that, that did not hold to our core values and they, they eventually moved on on their own or we, we exited them. We have one core value called no donkeys. And that's- <laughs> no, wait, hold on. What does no donkeys mean? I love- Well, what's another word for ever. a donkey, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't call them that. I don't know. You tell yeah, me. It's, 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 it starts with an A, right? And, yeah. uh, and, and we had some of those people there and our staff were saying like, why do you tolerate bad behavior? Why do you tolerate them? And we're like, when we reflected on that in our core values, we're like, that's the only negative core value we have. The rest, the father five are very positive ones. And we said, we got to live by that standard. If we want a good culture, we can't tolerate people who are toxic, who, who break other people down, who are intolerant, uh, you know, who are not respectful of their fellow workers. So we have a very diverse workforce and they come from all different walks of life, from all different cultures. And it's a great blending, but the core values is what everybody can relate to as well. The, the culture now has evolved as well, too, because we hire people based on, on our core values. It is a centerpiece of our hiring process. Every time we go out to market, our core values are in, embedded clearly in our postings and things like that. But we also then, we, we have encouraged our staff to, to participate in those core values. So we have, we implement a program called Bucket List. And it's a recognition program. It's an app. Everybody in the company has access to it. And so if I see you doing something really great, and we call one of our core values is kick some moon dust. It's like, you know, doing some tough stuff and just kicking butt and stuff like that. And if I saw you doing that yesterday, I'm going to get on the app and I'm going to recognize you as, hey, Pam did some great stuff yesterday. She just exhibited kick some moon. We've implemented uh, Book Depot University where we offer training programs of all different types to our staff and they can, during the day, they can sign up for different types of training courses, whether it's for their job or they want to learn a new skill. We offer free English as a second language. Every year we send out a, an anonymous survey to all, all our staff and part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. And it's got like 200 questions and then it's got some free type and it's completely anonymous. And we share the results with them every year. And we use that then to really gauge the temperature and the climate, the culture within our company. And then we pick things from there and said, these are what we're going to commit to, to delivering you over the next 12 months. And then we come back in 12 months and said, this is what we did. This is now what we've heard from you. And this is how we're going to move forward. It really helps us understand our staff. The other thing we do is fireside chat. So Will and myself, every two weeks, we go out into the warehouse and we sit in the lunchrooms and it's broadcast throughout all the overhead TVs. And we just sit there and mix and mingle with staff. We get to know them. We say, hey, what's working? What's not working for you? Um, we want to hear from you. What do you like about Book Depot? And the interesting thing, I got staff coming up to me and saying, we love our core values. We feel like this is a family. And if you guys ever start to deviate from your core values, I'm quitting. I'm out of here. <laughs> wow. So, wow. So they're pro they're protective of the core values. So do people tell you when they smell a donkey? Oh, yes. Very, very clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're very <laughs> transparent about that. Integrators like Bill are the quarterbacks of leadership teams. And the dynamics and rapport they build with both their visionary and their direct reports creates rocket fuel for business. However, they simply can't do it all on their own and have to become masters of smart delegation and driving accountability. 
It takes trust in every sense of the word to make things work. One of the hardest things for me was what we call letting go of the vine. And I've been in the trenches for a while, and now I had to elevate myself up to an integrator and, 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 and be a leader for, you know, for all my direct reports. And I had to trust them. And I really like Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. And we worked through those exercises of overcoming those as well, too. So for me, one of the hardest things was to delegate and elevate, right, my staff, and then have them do the same thing so we can all focus on what we love doing and what we do well and stuff that we don't do well or we don't like doing and we don't have to do. Like, where should that sit? Every quarter I sit down with my staff and, and we go through an exercise of GWCing and their alignment with their core values and completion of rocks and things like that. So, yeah, letting go of the vine has been a little difficult for me, but my staff have held me accountable to that. And in that exercise, the one thing at a quarterly with Jim, staff identified that in the early days about, hey, Bill's got to let go of the vine and trust us to do a good job. But then I got to hold them accountable as well, too. So I got to give them the tools, the resources, the people, whatever it is. But then I just I just had a coaching session with, with someone recently and they said, hey, I'm struggling a little bit. Like, I want you to hold me more accountable. And I'm like, hey, that's amazing that you feel that transparency and that trust with me that you can tell me you're struggling and you want me to hold you accountable. And I'm like, hey, that's that's amazing. That's where we've come to from where we have been. There's nothing worse than your processes and training content scattered around a bunch of Google Docs, or worse, stuck in people's heads. The good news is there's a platform called Trainual that makes it easy to document everything about your business, finally get your SOPs and policies organized, shave tons of time off onboarding and training, and get your process component nailed down. It's the integrator's dream. So whether you're growing or trying to scale with consistency, or tightening up and needing more ROI from your team's time, Trainual is the answer. Right now, podcast listeners can get 15% off their first year. Visit trainual.com and enter EOS promo code EOS15. That's T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L.com with promo code EOS15 when you pick your plan. Well, the conversation really got started with Bill's boss, technically. He's a very charismatic, big picture, big idea guy. And so he had pretty significant ambitions for his team. And so as we went through this early sort of formulation of the structure, I think it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that Bill was the guy that needed to be really helping manage and drive performance within this team in that 90-day world. And I think initially... He was a little nervous about that, not only fulfilling the expectations of Wilf, but also living up to the expectations of his team and, and really working to hold them accountable and get clarity around their contributions and support the structures and priorities of the team. I'm happy to say he's done a remarkable job. And I think a testament to that is the success of their organization. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Like success over and over again over to the point where again. even which to, the, to the point where even with an acquisition... They're now running to work on getting EOS implemented in that organization as well. Yeah, we've actually gone through two acquisitions, one of which was their largest competitor in North America. And after sort of working through the details of that, decided that a separate implementation would be required to sort of get that team up to speed. 
that brought them up to sort of a level where we can operationalize the combining of the two entities, I think, in the long run. But really powerful, powerful growth, tough decisions. I always say they're my poster child for EOS because I think they took on, I think, the challenge of making the right decisions. They were wonderful students of EOS. They took coaching incredibly well and I think saw the results because of that, honestly. That's Jim Wardlaw, expert EOS implementer for Book Depot and their partner companies. He highlights those pivotal moments in leadership styles that shape the leadership teams and visionary integrator duos that he works with. I always think of these gates that my clients pass through, and and the first gate that they passed through was really getting the right people on the team. And so the first conversation we started to have was getting the right people around the table and really understanding the strategic components of the business and who was accountable for them and getting that structure right. Those were hard decisions and politically sensitive decisions, and they managed those incredibly well. Um, One of the things, one of my rules is that who starts that first session usually stays with me for the first couple sessions just so we can begin to reinforce the idea that all seats are important and what we're really focused on is to really just optimizing people's roles. So that begins to strip some of the drama and energy and emotion out of it because they start to recognize how valuable they are when they can contribute at their highest level. So that sort of set the stage for them to make those tough decisions and transition those people to the appropriate role. I think the second uh, big gate that they passed through was the pandemic. And because they had done a lot of preparation, a lot of work around structure and efficiencies and systems, uh, when the pandemic hit, they were able to pivot dramatically and shift a lot of their business from wholesale to direct to consumer online. And it took off like crazy because people were reading more. People were sitting at home, reading more books, looking for value, spending time with their kids. And then the third most recent gate, I think, was really the visionary challenging the team to push beyond what they experienced. Wilf always knew that they could do better, and it came back to people. They had a particular team member who just really wasn't pushing the team to the level that they knew they could go. They made a very tough decision to move past that person. They gave the responsibility to a new person who was very capable in that regard. And they were always bumping up against, I think it was 600,000 books processed per week or something like that. And they could not get past that number, could not get past that number. They set a record of, I think they hit a million books processed in a week. And again, it just shows you evidence of what getting the right people around the table is all about. When you have a rock star team around that table, it just explodes growth. It's just remarkable to see. You mentioned kind of the vision, so Wilf's vision for where they could go and pushing people to get to the best version of themselves and ultimately the business model. So it's not just about having the right people. I mean, what's interesting is right people, right seats. It changes over time, right? So the thing that got you there to begin with may not get you to the next level. But so tell me about that evolution of, hey, it was working until it wasn't. And the only thing at some point, a, there's a new vision out there and it is mismatched with current state right people right seats. Maybe just a little bit about that process and journey. Yeah, I think the combination of Wilf and Bill and Visionary and Integrator Seats was a really strong team, first of all. So that gave them a nice sort of cornerstone to the team. Wilf has incredible vision and ambition for the organization overall. So that energy sort of fueled conversations. Bill is a great executor. He's wonderful at sort of working with the team to get the desired results. 
And you know what I often describe is that team being a group of experts within their various disciplines. And so I think that evolution often challenges that. Do we have the right expert in the seat able to solve the problem correctly? So the example I gave you earlier, where we didn't really have the right person in the seat able to really deal with the challenges that we were facing due to our growth and success, and that after a while begins to simply show itself. You know, I say EOS is a very bright light that we start shining into some dark corners. So you create accountability, you create clarity, you create agreement, and all of a sudden you realize this is not the person that's going to get us to the next place, right? So then you have a choice. You can either invest in that person and train and support them and continue to develop them, or you can look for somebody else for that role. And I think they chose the latter when it was the right decision. So. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's almost uh, once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah, right? it's hard to get past. It's a greater good thing, right? At the, I think that's the other thing this team does incredibly well is they, they are always focused on working for the greater good of the company and the team. And you know, there are always people not only willing to have the conversation, but also even challenging themselves within the role. Am I doing what I need to do to do this incredibly well? Am I drawing on my team to get the success I need? Uh, that level 10 environment is so powerful in that regard, right? So if we're really objectively putting that stuff into the room and talking about it, it deals with the issues at hand and gives people an opportunity to grow or maybe illuminates the fact that they're not the right person to contribute at the level they need to. The idea of, quote, greater good people decisions and growth certainly includes self-reflection. No matter whether you've been in business for one or 25 years, as in Bill's case, his humble nature and growth mindset kept him hungry to learn, instilling greater and greater confidence that he was also the right person in the right seat in his own role as integrator. Bill, as I said, is a great student, so he's very coachable, very open to ideas. I think you know, as he became more comfortable with the team around him, he started to recognize, the, frankly, the relief of being able to trust and value those people. And also, frankly, the respect that you begin to generate when you recognize the boundaries of agreement around a seat and a contribution, it's respectful for Bill to work with his finance lead and take their advice and give them the accountability and clarity of objective measures of performance that allows them to contribute in a meaningful way, right? So as a leader, I think that cultivates trust, right? So Bill began to understand, I think, that cultivating trust meant that he had to let, let go of that vine a little bit and let these people play their role, right? And as he began to cultivate more and more trust in those in his team, the team was able to be more successful. And that allowed him to relax as a, an integrator in holding them to account as the organization grew. That's the flywheel, in my opinion. You let go of the vine, you get clear agreement around the seat, people start to own the seat, we start to coach and support them to success in the seat, it cultivates more trust, and on around the, you know, the ramp we go, so, or the circle we go. So. When we talk about that delegate and elevate piece, um, you know, I often talk about three things that pull them down into the weeds, and that is trust. So having the right people in the seat, they gotta trust them. They gotta have clear agreement around those seats with around the expectations. We have to have objective measures around that seat, and then we have to let go of the vine to allow them to do that. 
time is the second one that often pulls them and distracts them away. And that's an accountability accountability chart conversation, a process conversation. What are we doing to get efficiency? And then sometimes there's a little bit of introspection that needs to go on as well. And that last one is sort of tactical. I've worked with people who don't delegate and elevate well, because frankly, it's a lot easier to walk into the office and say, hey, fill my my plate up with a lot of firefighting and a lot of emergencies, and I'll just keep my nose just above water all day, and then I'll come back and do it again. Working on strategy, working on the business, getting your head around some of those problems, and frankly, taking the risks of asserting yourself to some solution. It's fascinating to look at how Bill and Wolf's obsession with getting the right people in the right seats helped reinforce such an intentional and successful culture with exceptionally unique core values that people truly live and breathe and will protect to the end. Actually, two of my favorite things about their culture, just looking at some of my notes, is don't be a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and and kick and moon dust. Kick and moon dust, I mean, yeah. I love those two things. How do you see those living and breathing in their culture? Oh, don't be a donkey yeah. and kick and moon dust. Well, don't be a donkey is because we couldn't say the, you know, the title of that book, the no ass rules, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> so they didn't want to be quite that direct, but yeah, they're pretty intolerant of bad attitudes. Again, you know, EOS is wonderful in, in creating sort of an objective, open, psychologically safe space. And the more that we can cultivate that, the more successful the team can solve problems. Frankly, toxicity, drama, emotion, subjectivity, all that stuff that shows up in human organizations can get in the way. So they're really good at making sure that we're focused on solving the problems and staying objective. And so that core value is an important contributor there. Kicking moon dust is really just about shooting for the stars, right? They all want to push themselves. And I think that entire team today is about reaching for that stretch goal. So their VTOs are always just a little bit beyond what seems reasonable. Their metrics are a little bit beyond what seems reasonable. I mean, they're always willing to say, yeah, I think maybe we can do that. Let's see what happens, right? We can solve the problem. And obviously, their results have proven that maybe that's a great place to focus. You left out one that's my favorite, though, of all time. I, oh, tell me. Oh, one of their core values is eat the stinky cheese. <laughs> I love it. That, Tell me all about that one. Stinky Cheese is all about staying open to new ideas and learning. And this company's been recognized, I think, three years in a row as best managed culture in Canada. And when they launched their core values, they actually set up six gaming stations, brought all their employees in, one of which was a gaming station where you had to answer 10 trivia questions about the company's history. And if you didn't get them right, you had to eat a piece of Limburger cheese. So, you know, I mean, they just have done remarkable things with core values and culture really brought core values to life in the organization, made core values, not only something um, that stood for behaviors that we want to embrace, but also something that you could touch. It was tangible, right? And I think when core values become tangible, something you bump up against every day in the organization, it reminds you that these are actually a positive context we're trying to create here, right? It's really what we're about as an organization. So really powerful stuff. I love it. I was hoping you were going to say something about people having to actually eat the stinky cheese. Well, they did. <laughs> if you got the question wrong. I mean, I love it. I love yeah. it. And you might be surprised that that stinky cheese is actually like a, yeah. a delicacy. Who like knows? it's amazing. Yeah, but they've done great, <laughs> great work in that regard. Really amazing. Well, that's awesome. That's yeah, been fun. Hey, last thing to touch upon was is around EOS rollout. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how 
Bill and the team have managed EOS rollout, how important that is, what an impact that was, just kind of see a thread throughout the entire organization. Yeah, I think it's been really powerful. It's a long process. They're a relatively large organization in, in a sense. So rollout happened over months and involved lots of layers. So first order of business, we start talking about rollout typically after the VB2 or the third session of the implementation. They're building a plan. First goal is really to get that next layer starting to do level 10 meetings and get competent in the five foundational tools. So they did a pretty good job with that. I'm always <laughs> pushing my leadership teams to become good students, to round robin, running the level 10 meeting to get some experience and feedback from your colleagues, and honestly challenging Bill to make sure that he's con confident that he has the competency around the table to do the work. I find that a lot of clients can fall into that gap between implementation at the leadership team and then beginning to roll out next level down. And the way that they avoid that gap is to make sure that the integrator is confident in the competence of the team. So if they're all good with the tools, then we can start to be talking about how it rolls out. So they started doing level 10 meetings, I think very successfully down at the next level. And then of course that cascaded on into the organization over a period of months. I think the next big challenge they had was really around scorecard metrics and making sure that there was connectivity there and also connectivity between one-year plans and rocks. So there's a lot of conversation about how to get alignment there. Again, a lot of that work I find falls at the feet of the integrator. One of the big roles that sort of emerges as an implementation unfolds is the need to have someone really at the helm making sure and watching over the connectivity between the work that's being done at the leadership team and down in the organization. I was thinking the analogy I often use is that sort of conductor in the orchestra, right? Bill has to make sure that they're playing the right music and are all on the right beat. So uh, as long as they're all playing the right music, we're in good shape. Bill's confidence in and commitment to the foundational tools and process of EOS keeps the music playing across all levels throughout his organization and beyond. He's learned firsthand that a business operating system isn't a nice to have, it's essential for both personal and professional growth. So back in December of 2021, we purchased our largest competitor. That was a game-changing move. <laughs> That was definitely a game-changing move, yeah, for, for certainly. Since also because we tried to buy them 10 years earlier and it didn't go so well. But anyways, <laughs> it was the right time for us to, to step in. And they embraced us because they know us. We, we do a lot of stuff together. And when they heard that we bought them, they're like, hey, this is amazing. Like, we're so happy Book Depot bought us. And so what I'm, I'm involved with there is also bringing them, helping them along the EOS journey as well, too. So that is, that's a, we just hired on an integrator for them. They have a visionary there and we hired on an integrator. He starts in about a week. Really excited about that. He was at the EOS conference as well too. Okay. And we're bringing the two companies together because we're similar and yet we're different. We have the same similar product lines, but we have very different programs for, for sales. And so over the next couple of years, really elevate them as well to help them along in their journey. But also, like, I don't want to own their journey. I want them to own their journey. And I want them to experience all the great things we have from EOS. So they have started on, on the EOS journey with, with Jim as our facilitator as well, too. And actually, next week, I'm facilitating for the first time a quarterly for our, another company we own, which is a publishing company called Kids Books Publishing. And, and Jim has said to us, guys, your two businesses have kind of graduated in some respects. Maybe you guys want to start owning this yourself. So for kids books, I, right. I'm starting next week, Wednesday, I'll do their uh, Q1. 
And the president from Kids Books Publishing is going to do our quarterlies starting in September for Book Depot. All right. So you're going to you're going to swap over and you're going to become their implementer and vice versa. Right, okay. Yeah. And I understand you have a goal of processing 500 million books. Put that in perspective for us, especially as it relates to clearly the digital age of audiobooks and such. Like tell me what that means to get to 500 million books. Yeah, so we're we're definitely on the path of that. We always knew to get to 500 million there would be an acquisition required. And the purchase of, of our competitor down in the U.S. Uh, has, has now set the stage for us to hit it. As a matter of fact, now we look at it and we, we do believe we're going to hit that BHAG before the 10 years. Uh, but, but we All just right. set every year, we set higher standards. And I mean, this year is no different than the past years where we have the best top line ever, the best bottom line ever. So it's just going to continue to evolve as we further embrace EOS and just continue to get deeper into it. As Bill talks about breaking through these ceilings and the ones they're looking to shatter next, his passion for sharing EOS with other companies is unleashed. And it's amazing to see the way his own growth into the role of integrator has led to him empowering other leaders to take the chance to learn and grow themselves. If you're not running on EOS, and I'd say half the companies in my tech group are not running EOS, I'm like, guys, just do it. And and I really encourage them to do it with a professional facilitator. You, you'll get the results much faster. It's just like, you guys are struggling in stuff that is kindergarten for us now. Like, we've just moved up so much to a higher level of execution. We've taken EOS to our publishing company as well, too, and we've seen the results there. I don't think there's any company that can't benefit from EOS. It starts off with just your focus on, you know, on your core values and your accountability charts, and it just builds out from there. And to getting the right people in the right seats, that's huge. It really has been for us as well, too. And when you get the right people in the right seats, it's they build on each other. It's it's like a it's gaining it gains momentum and they they live and breathe the US and they understand it better. And we've now we've taken EOS down several levels within our company as well, too. So we've got a ton of L10s happening every week or every other week. We've bought into it, we've committed to it, and it's been the game changer that we hoped it would be. That when my wife read that book for the first time and she says, you gotta do it, it's gonna change your business. I believed her because she's smarter than me and many- Pretty smart. And um, <laughs> she sees things that I don't see. Bill, do you do you run level 10 meetings with your wife, I have to ask? No, no, but we, but we do ITSing. <laughs> You do a lot of yeah. ideasing. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so I, I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have to thank your wife for helping to kind of read that book first and, and picking it up and giving it to you. You too can pick up the book Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business by Gino Wickman and learn more about all things EOS at eosworldwide.com. We Run on EOS is available on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Pam Kosanke, and thanks for listening. The entrepreneurs behind the entrepreneurs, EOS implementers help business owners get everything they want from their businesses. Request a free 90-minute meeting with an EOS implementer to learn how they can help you on your journey towards EOS mastery and living your ideal life, your EOS life. Visit eosworldwide.com to get started.